Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Oh, no, we already have our first major injury of the 2019 fantasy baseball season. And it's the guy that many of you are taking with the top four pick. It's Francisco Lindor. He's out two months. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about a little bit of Mike Trout versus Mookie Betts. Some early round picks we love, some late round picks, or no, some early round picks we don't love, some late round picks we do love, and uh, and a lot more. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday. It is February 11th. We're going to start position previews later this week and continue them for uh, probably about two more weeks after that. I'm Adam Azer with Scott White and Heath Cummings. All right, big question. Scott, I'll start with you. Did you move Francisco Lindor down in your rankings? I most certainly did, Adam. I don't like the sound of a calf strain at all, particularly when the initial diagnosis is seven to nine weeks. That sounds like a pretty severe strain for Lindor, which I think only increases the possibility of a setback, increases the possibility of returning at less than full capacity. So on our last show Friday, we were talking about, oh, he has to be number four overall. He's still in my first round. He's still my number one shortstop, but I've moved him down to eighth, I believe it is, trying to pull up my rankings here. Uh, and my biggest concern beyond the ones I've already mentioned, the possibility of a setback, etc., even if he does come back on time, full capacity, I have a hard time believing they're going to let him run like he did last year. I think 25 steals, we were already questioning whether that could happen again. I, I think he's probably going to end up running less than ever, because why risk it? Heath? No risk it, no biscuit, like Scott likes to say. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to drop him down. I agree with Scott. I'm leaving, leaving him in the first round. I think I have him a few spots lower, actually. I've got him at 11, I think, 11 and 12. But um, it's no good. It's no good. I mean, we've seen calf injuries linger in the past, for sure. Uh, all right, so now we're going to take Arenado. It sucks. You sound truly well, pained there. I have the fourth pick in the only league that I actually know which pick I have. I have, of course, the fourth pick. So this yeah. complicates things. Uh, well, I think on Friday you were saying you could make an argument for Altuve over Lindor. Now you can make a pretty easy argument. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I have Arenado fourth uh, now. But, that's, you know. It's probably going to be one of those two guys, and, and I think I would even consider Scherzer. But yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully I get lucky in, in Jose Ramirez falls or something like that. So, uh, J.D. Martinez or or Francisco Lindor? Martinez. Martinez. So the four I moved ahead of Lindor were Arenado, Altuve, Martinez, and Scherzer. So the three you mentioned and then also Martinez. Okay. Now, think about this. Shortstop, so deep, so good. We love shortstop. Your 12th ranked shortstop, both Scott and Heath is Glaber Torres. Uh, 13, Jose Peraza. I'm looking at uh, Roto right now. 14th, Elvis Andrews uh, for Scott and Paul DeYoung for Heath. It's a deep position. You got Jerks and Profar available, um, Angelton Simmons, etc. But two of the top three, Lindor and Bregman, are banged up right now. So what does that mean for the shortstop position in general? 
I'm probably more likely to not take a shortstop in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a good incentive not to do that just because of that depth. And then the fact that they, they're my top two. I think you have Machado. You could have Machado in that mix, too. Uh, I actually have them going consecutively now, Lindor, Bregman, and Machado. But um, that's that's all the more reason why you can wait and take advantage of that depth. That said, if any of them slicks, slips to the second round because of concerns, that's going to be too much value for me to pass up. Other big news, uh, we'll do some mock drafts and we'll figure it out. we got a shortstop preview coming up, so we'll talk a lot more about Lindor, but there's your quick analysis of it. Kyler Murray is playing football. So there's that. Sorry to the Oakland A's losing that first-round pick. And uh, we still don't have a Bryce Harper signing or a Manny Machado signing or a Dallas Keuchel signing. But remember, four of the five largest off-season contracts last year were handed out February 13th or later. That would be Hosmer, Darvish, J.D. Martinez, and Arietta. Lorenzo Cain was another one in that top five in terms of largest off-season contracts. He signed on January 25th. There's actually a great story up on CBSSports.com. It's a spring training preview. It's got some position battles to think about, uh, new managers, stuff like that, prospects to watch. If you're a baseball fan, you'll love it. Go to CBSSports.com slash MLB. A couple things to promote real quick. Hey, let's actually, let's promote ourselves. Follow, uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Scott is at Scott CBS White. Scott oh, White. it's CBS Scott White. <laughs> Rude. And, and Heath is at Heath Cummings SR, Heath Cummings Sr. And Chris is at C Towers CBS. Only follow him if he's the only person that you want to read tweets from. No, just kidding. Follow Chris. He's actually <laughs> very interesting on Twitter at C Towers CBS. So, I, I like this. Like we got, got a beginning of the show insulting everyone but Heath. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Chris actually has a great – I don't know if he wrote it, but somebody – who wrote the column about the stuff? The stuff? Like measuring a pitcher's stuff. Oh, um, <laughs> it, I, it wasn't Chris. He was okay. telling me who it was. Yeah. I can't remember now. So Chris is going to come on to talk about it tomorrow, but we've got a column, like basically measuring stuff, like how good a pitcher's stuff is, and that's really cool. Is so, it uh, Aaron Sauceda? Okay, great. That's who I believe it is, yes. Aaron Sauceda, one of several writers who are going to be uh, contributing for us at CBSSports.com and also Sportsline.com this season. And you can follow him on Twitter if you want to, at RotoPope. Oh, that's a cool name. Also, don't forget about the Fantasy Regulators. If you're familiar with last year's show, we did the Fantasy Regulators. We regulate your league issues. We play the Regulators music. It's awesome. And we'll do some this week. Let's talk about one early round pick you are avoiding. Heath Cummings, who are you avoiding in the early rounds? Javier Baez. Everything went perfectly for him last year. In fact, you might say he got just a little bit lucky. I looked at it, and I really think in the five Roto categories, he is going to be worse in every single one than he was in 2018. And his <laughs> current ADP is right around the end of the first round, start of the second, ahead of Jose Altuve. That's crazy town banana pants. That is so crazy. I wonder if there's one industry analyst that would take Javier Baez in the first round. I'm guessing no. He was the number 14 hitter in points league, number seven in Roto. Um, just there must be someone for him oh, to there certainly have that ADP. Who? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, okay. 
I'm going to pull up the 2019 consensus fantasy baseball rankings on Fantasy Pros and just tell you who would take him in the first round as soon as I can find it. Okay. Scott, who's uh, an early round pick you're avoiding? So Baez is normally my go go to here, but fortunately on my busts column for this year, I have several early rounders really taking some big swings in that. And uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to be my choice here because not only did we see him uh, continue the pattern of falling well short of an ace workload, can't even trust him for 180 innings because of those, those consistent back issues, but the last two seasons has really begun to impact his performance, too. The velocity's been on the decline. He averaged less than a strikeout per inning last season. And uh, Dr. Mike Tanner, now of Fangraphs, had a nice piece about this this offseason. Remember, Dr. Tanner was the one who uh, predicted Daniel Murphy would be back much later last season than the timetable the Nationals were giving, and that turned out to be true. Uh, but basically... Uh, the body has a way of protecting itself when it's injured, unbeknownst to the person. Muscles don't act as forcefully. So it's if the Dodgers don't go out of their way to manage his mer- workload with those DL stints periodically, he's going to throw less and less hard until... Uh, uh, I, I mean, it could get worse. It, it could get worse, and it could get worse fast. I read that article. Yeah, it was a good article, and yeah, I don't. I just don't think you're going to expect the innings now. Let me see where Kershaw's ADP is. It's thirty third, thirty three, thirty four. So you know, we're starting to get toward the end of the third round, and Clayton Kershaw's still there. The next pitchers off the board are Severino, Bauer, Cindergard, Bueller. Um, at what point is it okay to take Clayton Kershaw? I wouldn't want to take him there, not with those other guys still on the board. I think maybe not inning for inning. I mean, maybe inning for inning, they'll be better. There's a good enough chance of that. And then I expect them to throw a lot more innings, too. Yeah, I'm pretty fine with him in that range. And I do want to go back just because this is going to be so much fun. Adam, I would like for you to take a guess or two. Because there is one person on Fantasy Pros who currently has Javier Baez ranked in the top 10 overall. And he is someone that you know. Al Melchior? Uh, You're very, very close. Uh, Nando? It is Nando. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. Nando, i got to make fun of him. I'm going to text him right now. That is great. I hung out with Nando this weekend. If I had only known this two days ago, I would have made fun of him. (laughs) Um, All right, so we've got Baez for Heath. we got Kershaw for Scott. I am nervous to give my answer. I don't think I want to take Corey Kluber this year. Uh, He's pitched two years in a row with an injury. He went on the injured list, not the disabled list, two years ago. He pitched through it last year. I don't know. He's getting up there in age. I think I'd rather wait like two rounds and take Severino, Bauer, uh, the guys we just talked about. Uh, I mean, it was called the disabled list at the time. I know. I don't know what to say about that because, like, it's kind of apparently it's offensive to call it the disabled. I mean, list, he so. he led the AL in innings last year. He did. Um, he did not go on the IL, the DL, but he pitched through an injury and he didn't pitch as well. He started to show 
Yeah. A little bit of crack. You know, last 19 games, he had a 367 ERA. He's 33 years old, or he will be in April. It's not that I don't like Corey Kluber. It's just that I'm not convinced. I, I, I think there's more downside than there's ever been. And I just think I want to wait at that point. Can we do yeah, team, na- I, team name Tuesday on a Monday? Sure. Can we get like a it, Dodgers blue uh, background and your team name is licensed to ill? Because all they do is put people on the IL. Okay. Yeah, I license to IL. I got I like yes. that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a little torn on Kluber this year because there were some uh indicators of like a loss of dominance last year. It's strikeout rate was down, swinging strike rate was considerably down. But that was coming off his most dominant season ever in twenty seventeen. And uh there was an he, he kind of went back to some old habits last year, not featuring his curveball nearly as often as he did in that 2017 season, which brought him to new heights. So I kind of feel like he regressed back to who he was before then, which was still an early round ace more so than he's just getting old and he's on the decline. But it's just a theory and you, it, it could be an age thing. So I'm a little reluctant to take him too before like late rounds two, maybe even round three. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I think if I had two picks and then Corey Kluber were available, I'd, I'd definitely feel better about it. Uh, give me a late round pick that you're loving, Heath Cummings. I've talked about this guy plenty, so we'll make it quick. But as crazy as you guys think I am about where my Jake Bowers is ranked, he's going 248th overall in drafts. I do think he has a ton of upside. I do think the order could help him a lot. Better environment. I like Jake Bowers. Scott. I love him. <laughs> okay, good. So there's a player I've drafted late in every single league, and it's also a first baseman, and his name's Luke Voigt. I love Luke Voigt. The the backup to Greg Bird? (laughs) I mean, I've talked about him a lot, too, but um, I just think he's perfectly suited for Yankee Stadium. Obviously, it was a ridiculous stretch he was on at the end of last season, and he can't quite sustain that pace, but if he is the everyday first baseman... As often as he hits the ball out to right field, I think 30 homers are a reasonable starting point. And I think he'll hit for average, too, because he's such a good line drive hitter. So I think it's potentially, um, you know, a top six to eight first baseman there in the late rounds. The big if being, do the Yankees stick with him when they have a couple of players who aren't so suited for the positions they're manning defensively and may ultimately wind up in first base at Miguel in Miguel Andujar and Gary Sanchez. Yeah, if the Yankees sign Manny Machado, I think there's a chance Andujar moves over to first base. So we'll keep that in mind. And they are apparently still in on Machado. So Jake Bowers for Heath, Luke Voigt for Scott. I'm going to give a name that I just actually read his name in the uh, in the CBS story, the spring training preview that I was just referencing. Greg Allen. This guy's going in like the late 300s. He could be a starting outfielder for the Indians. He stole 21 bases in 91 games. After the All-Star break, he stole 15 bases in 46 games. He's not a hitter, although he did hit 310 after the All-Star break with a 379 OBP. Um, Again, like he could be your last pick and might steal 30 bases, maybe more. Greg Allen of the Indians is any is, is he on anybody's radar right now? Should he be? He's not on my radar. Um, 
but maybe he should be. I I think when I first made out my rankings, it was pretty early in the offseason. I figured, okay, the Indians are going to do something about this outfield. But now that we're a couple weeks from the start of spring training, maybe I need to revisit that. Let's just take a moment to marvel in the Indians' current outfield. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Leonis Martin, Greg Allen, Tyler Naquin, and Jordan Luplo. Yeah, I'm telling you, Greg Allen can run, man. Although, I, I got to be honest, I didn't look at his minor league numbers, but do I need to? 15 steals in 46 games after the All-Star break, and I remember talking about him a decent amount you know, at the end of last year as a steals guy. Yeah, there, he, he had a couple 45 steal seasons in the minors. Yes! Uh, uh, Love it! Honestly, looking at his minor league track record, he looks pretty similar to Michael Brantley, which is higher than you're even aiming for. But he was he was a good uh, strike zone controller, hit for average guy in the minors, too, in addition to the speed. You're impressed right now. You guys are like, wow, Azer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do need to revisit him. So, All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for putting him on my radar. The early round picks were avoiding ba- Javier Baez, Clayton Kershaw, Corey Kluber, Baez for Heath and Scott. Kershaw for Scott, Kluber was my pick. Late round pick were loving. Heath said Jake Bowers. Scott said Luke Voigt. Adam said Greg Allen and blew everyone's mind. The reason you might actually take Mookie Betts over Mike Trout. There's only one person uh, who was doing that. Heath, are you the only, are you the only person on Fantasy Pros taking bets over Trout? I believe I am the only person in the entire industry. Um, that's w- worldwide, solar system wide. In the Do universe. they have us on Fantasy Pros yet? No. Yeah. Okay. We're sleeping over there, sleeping on the job. So, We're only CBS. We're not worth including. Wow, Scott is a little salty over that. There, there is, um, there is one <laughs> one number, one stat that I found. A category, let's say, that I think actually makes this a pretty damn good argument. Heath, what do you think, if there were one thing, a number, a, a sentence, whatever, one thing that, that gives you, you know, the guts to take bets over Trout, what is it? Um, well, just the fact that Mookie Betts has been the best player in fantasy two of the last three years, and Mike Trout hasn't been in the last five years. So let's talk about three years ago. <laughs> Not, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna support that. Let, let's talk about three years ago, and Trout's OPS was nearly a thousand points higher than Mookie Betts. That's and, not true. Oh, it was. It it was like eighty. A hundred, a hundred points. A hundred. Yeah. Sorry. Um. <laughs> so how was it that Mookie Betts Heath? How was it that Betts scored more fantasy points and ranked ahead of Mike Trout three years ago? Uh, I would assume it's because he's in the best offense in baseball and had 235 combined runs in RBI. Yes, and it basically comes down to the one thing, the one stat that I think justifies it is plate appearances. Because Betts could have maybe 40 more plate appearances than Mike Trout, like I think he did last year. And it's a big deal. Because last year, the Red Sox, in fact, the two years that Betts was the number one player in fantasy... He, uh, the Red Sox were first in runs. And in those two years, the Angels were 17th and 15th. Actually, it might change a little bit this year, though, because Betts is going to bat second instead of first. So the plate appearances might go down just a bit. But Trout's a better player. Betts is going to come to the plate more often. Scott, does that number, does that change your mind a little bit? Make it more justifiable to take bets? 
I'm just trying to see how big of a difference it is, really. So there were a couple times, 2015, 2016, uh, where it was like 30 difference, right? 30 more plate appearances. Last year it was yeah. only 16. Okay, so it's three years ago, I think it was it was 39, I think? Yeah, okay. Uh, Trout usually bats second, right? Yes, I don't know. and Betts was batting first. Now he's batting second, so maybe this is a completely yeah. stupid conversation now. I would I would guess Betts has more, but it might be like a dozen more. If I was setting an over-under, I might set it at a dozen. Hmm, so now maybe that's one reason why it's dumb to take Betts, Seath. Now that he's going to bat second, he's going to lose that big advantage over Trout. No. Because the Red Sox are still going to go through their order more times than the Angels do. Betts had 49 more plate appearances than Mike Trout in 2016. When Trout Trout had like such an amazing year in 2016, let me just give you the the stats, the uh, the slash line: 315, 441 on base, 550 slugging, 991 OPS, and he did not even finish as the number one player in fantasy. All right, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I hope that was. I think you're right, Adam. You've made two very good contributions to the show already. (laughs) Here's a third. Here's a Twitter poll, um, inspired by my lack of knowledge about who the Blue Jays' manager is. So I posted a poll. Please answer honestly and only respond to this Twitter poll if you consider yourself a baseball fan. Do you know who the Blue Jays' manager is? It's not John Gibbons. Uh, Only 12% have said yes out of now 905 votes and counting. Yeah, I had no idea. I, I completely forgot. It's Charlie How Montoya. How people forget about Charlie Montoya? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, that, good Googling there, Heath. Eight seasons as a manager of the Durham Bulls? Ah, of course. He's a professional baseball player back in the 70s? Now he gets his 90s. chance. 90s. He, he was the uh, Rays bench coach, I believe. Had 400 RBI in his career. We'll see if they start using some openers. So, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Like, people just don't know the new managers. Even I struggle with, I mean, I forget about them. And Blue Jays manager, okay, whatever. So um, let's take a break here real quick, come back, talk about news and notes, read some emails, and uh, get through picks 11 and 20 with pros and cons for drafting each one. Coming back right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. So the news and notes, the Giants are serious about Bryce Harper. They've offered him a short-term deal. We'll react when this stuff actually breaks. Uh, but, again, we we don't want him to go there. It's just big, that would be awful. Big stinking yeah. park. Not a great place for a left-handed slugger. 
Rysel Iglesias may not close in every save situation for the Reds. Didn't we hear this last year, too? Yes. Well, well, I think why there's a little more smoke this time is because uh, the Reds pitching coach was the Brewers pitching coach last year, and he was one of the people most instrumental for putting Josh Hader in the role he is, and that's kind of how he sees Iglesias. So I'm I'm con- there's I'm concerned here. I think uh I think it's reason to drop Iglesias outside of the top 15 relievers. He didn't he exactly had nine ga- he yeah. had nine games last year that he pitched in where he did not finish the game. Um so I saw a crazy stat. Well yeah, Jared Hughes had 7 saves, he had 30. So he wasn't as exclusive of a, of a closer as most. But I don't even know how this is possible. So Iglesias threw 72 innings last year, 37 innings in save situations, 35 in non-save situations. I guess they just probably just didn't have enough save situations and he had to get some work at other times. Yeah. I I think they – I'll look because I think this maybe was part of the plan at the beginning of the year last year. And I'm trying to see how many of his performances – his innings were not in the ninth inning so there was a plan last year to use him as a multi-inning like still the closer but because there would be he he would be used more multiple innings more often than most closers he might not get the chances as consistently uh but i i don't think either of those happened so much when i was writing up iglesias for the uh, reasons for drafting and reasons not to draft him i didn't see too many multi-inning appearances but obviously, different management now, and this is what they're saying. So we'll see. He, he was used um, 15 times. It looks like 19 times in the eighth inning. He was also used 15 times in a tie game. So it was a little bit not untraditional. So Iglesias. We're about to do the relief pitcher preview later this week, so you'll probably hear me use this line. But he's basically the, the Karis Davis of closers. He is remarkably consistent. Three straight years with an ERA between 238 and 253. 72 to 78 in the third innings. Basically the same walk rate, right around 3.1, three straight years. Strikeout rates fluctuate a little bit, 9.5 to 10.9 over those three years as a closer. Uh, or not necessarily as a closer, but as a reliever. Whip between 107 and 1.14. The home runs were up last year. He had a crazy high home run to high uh, fly ball rate, but, you know, I assume that would probably come down. But bottom line, he's really good. Uh, but he has not cracked the 30 save mark. So where has Iglesias finished? Well, in 2017, he was number 11 in points, number 13 in roto among relief pitchers, if you remove Sparps, which I think we should for the sake of this argument. And last year, he was ninth in points, 12th in Roto. So, you know, top 9, top 12, something like that. Just, if he's not going to save more than like 35 games, and he's never saved more than 30, it's going to put a little bit of a ceiling on on Iglesias. Uh, where do you guys have him ranked? Uh, Iglesias currently? Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I'm going to look into dropping him out of the top 15. I think I have him... Um... You have him 14, Scott. You have him 14. I've got him him 10th. Well, it'll be really easy to move him outside of the top. (laughs) Yes, it will. 
<laughs> but I don't see one guy behind him that's a lock for 30 saves. That's the problem. Is uh, is Leclerc behind him? No, Leclerc I have ahead of him already. You shot Leclerc. So directly behind... Okay, so he's he's already down there with Josh Hader. Yeah. Uh, and then the first closer behind him is Will Smith at 17. Then Cody Allen. Cody Allen's pretty close to a lock, but I I don't think he's very good. Right, that's why he's not a lock. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, okay. it, it's yeah. At the at the end of the day, if the Reds are better than what they've been, and they should be, and they should because they've been last place two years in a row while Glacius is closed, and they probably tried harder to get better than any team this off season. I still think you know he maybe he ends up around thirty saves and he's around twelve. You know. Maybe. Yep. I, I mean, it just like if it's truly the Josh Hader role, Hader was third on the Brewers and saves last year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, more news, minor league stuff. The Giants signed Steven vote, vote to a minor league contract. Although Buster Posey may not be ready for the start of the season, so you might see vote. Uh, the Brewers signed Brett Laurie. The Pirates signed Melky Cabrera. The Royals signed Homer Bailey. And the Mets signed Danny Espinosa. And wake me up when something important happens. Email of the day number one is from Joe. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Joe says, when discussing the potential addition of the DH in the National League in the future, I'm surprised no one mentioned the impact on an NL pitcher's strikeouts, which would surely go down, and likely ERA, which would go up. I don't want to have a position scarcity debate, but if we're adding at-bats and more counting stats for hitters, um, then surely pitchers become more valuable. What do you think? Surely, yeah, I don't. Become... I don't know. I, I think maybe like if the NL pitcher pool all of all of a sudden these guys are worse, then maybe these stud pitchers become more valuable. I think that makes sense. It, hmm. it is. Yeah. it is worth noting. Yeah, I, does that impact you from a dynasty standpoint or something like that? Well, I think the. Very best pitchers are going to be great no matter what. I mean, we don't. Um, well, I'm trying to think of a good example of an ace that went from the NL to the AL recently. Uh, I think of a few examples of the opposite. But like, if you're missing a lot of bats and you're eating a lot of innings, you're going to be an ace regardless of which league you're pitching in. But yeah, in that lower, you go to the next tier of pitchers. And certainly the tier after that, and it could get it could get a little hairy. It could. Uh, I I think it would probably increase that gap between the haves and the half-nots, which seems a little smaller than this year than it was the previous two years. Uh, I, I'm pre- I'm presuming we're not going to have DH and NL this year. It seems too no, late to end no, yeah. that. Uh, Garrett Cole is an ace who ah. went from the NL to the AL. Yes. Except he wasn't an ace <laughs> until he went to the right. AL. He got much better, but there are other reasons for that. So one of the interesting things I read about this uh, is in the New York Post. And it, the Mets, apparently, one of the reasons they acquired Robinson Cano was they're thinking that at some point soon there's going to be a DH. So that would help a guy like Cano, for sure. I don't know why they'd want to put Cano there, though, because he's still a plus defender. Not yet. Yes, maybe. Not yet. Uh, but maybe down for the, the rest of his contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point. Yeah. At some point. So that's another thing to think about if you've got some, some aging players in the National League that seem like good fits for the DL. That might help their value big time 
in Dynasty Leagues. Email of the day number two is from Adam. After listening to the JT Ray Amuto discussion, I began thinking about the fact that all ballparks have various outfield depths. Then I realized this makes no sense. In basketball, there aren't different three-point lines or free-throw lines. In football, it's always 100 yards. You get my point. Can anyone please explain why this is a thing in baseball? If we're talking about adding the DH to the NL to balance things out, wouldn't creating a one-size-fits-all outfield depth do the same? End rant. Adams uh, I, are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just part of what base, makes baseball fun. I mean, there were some pretty wacky stadium dimensions you go back to like the polo grounds and whatnot. The the red Fenway's designed the way it is because they literally couldn't have it take up that much more space going from home plate to left field than than it does. Um, and I, I think if you want a more scientific reason than that, th- those other sports aren't affected by um, by climate as much as baseball is. If you tried to to make Coors Field's outfield dimensions standard with everybody else, it, it would be ridiculous how much how many home runs are hit there. But also, it would be much more fun if the other sports followed MLB's lead and not MLB following everybody else's <laughs> lead. I want a team that builds a great defense and then makes the field like 40 yards wide. <laughs> 20 yards wide. <laughs> You're going nowhere against us. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I wish there was a, like maybe some regulation because like Yankee Stadium right field is the dumbest thing in baseball. It's, it's the second dumbest thing in baseball behind pitchers hitting in the National League, but soon it will be the dumbest thing in baseball. Yankee Stadium right field is, is a joke. It's embarrassing. So I wish that didn't exist. I wish the Marlins would short, like, I wish Major League Baseball would be like, hey, listen, Marlins, bring it in. Bring those walls in. Your your hitters cannot reach those walls, but I still I like the. Uh, I, I, I like suspect the, the Marlins will eventually come to decide. Oh, that. When are they going to do that? Maybe I maybe know. they could just open the roof first. It's too hot, Heath. Too hot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I was going to do last year's busts, but let's instead do a segment pick up from where we left off last week. We did the top ten players. You know, as far as our rankings go, and um, a pro and a con for each. Let's do 11 through 20 now. And again, Chris wrote these on the website, so I encourage you to check them out. Who wants to be pro? Who want? Well, Scott, what were you last time? You were pro, right? Yeah, you yeah. Were I was pros. making for uh, the argument for all the first rounders, which is pretty easy to do. I would definitely like to be con. It fits my personality much. All more. right, all right then, <laughs> Scott. You can do 11 through 20. Uh, I get you, to continue being sincere. You give That's the case good. for, and, and Heath gives the case against. Let's go to Alex Bregman, third base and shortstop eligible. So, Scott, why am I taking Alex Bregman 11th overall? He's been one of the best bat control hitters in the ma- since since reaching the majors. And last year, he took the big step forward power-wise that we were hopeful would happen. And it, it did happen. So now he's not really being upstaged by like a Manny Ramirez in terms of power. He's delivering comparable power while walking more than he strikes out. Very safe source of batting average. Ton of runs batting first or second in the Astros lineup. And uh, yeah, I think he's going to be an MVP caliber player for years to come. Oh yeah, Heath? Oh yeah, and and it's even better. He just started hitting again, so he should be (laughs) fine. He's got an elbow injury. He had to have surgery on his elbow. It's it's 
there's no reason to use a first round pick on somebody that we're not sure is going to be 100% in spring training. So give me a player or two you take ahead. Um, you talking to Sincere Heath, or are you yeah, talking sincere, to uh, Sincere Heath, Manny Machado, Chris Sale, Christian Yelich? I'll take, I'll take Machado over him. I'll take Sale over him. I'll take Freddie Freeman over him. All right, Honestly, then. I'm really not that worried about the elbow because it's bone spurs, and that's just usually such a minor thing. I feel like the only time it becomes worse is if um, there's ligament damage in there, but there there wasn't. So I, I I think it should be a really straightforward recovery. Next up, number twelve, Manny Machado. Scott, get me excited about Manny Machado. I mean, Manny Machado has been one of the steadiest elite hitters going back five years now, right? Five or six years. Uh, pretty much always thirty plus homers, batting average two eighty and up, and now he's shortstop which is nice there's a good chance he'll pick up third base again wherever he signs uh he's just he's just really safe still in the prime of his career not much to worry about there he wouldn't even run hard in the world series <laughs> you think he's gonna try hard after they give him 200 million dollars <laughs> Manny machado is gonna sign the big contract <laughs> and then bust are you honestly worried about that heath i'm just trying to do my job Adam. i know i know but then i ask serious follow-up questions so people can Um, I'm not really concerned about him busting. I'm concerned that he's not quite worth a first round pick. What about the ballpark? There's still a chance that he lands in a place that's not a great hitting environment. (laughs) Right. Because he's 887 OPS at home, 761 OPS on the road. Mm -hmm. So we can revisit that. I I think that's a fair concern given those splits. It's, It's four years in a row, by the way, not five or six. Scott, Chris Sale, 13th. Chris Sale, make the case. So if you're looking for pitchers who deliver big-time innings and big-time production, pretty much Scherzer's the standout there. But the only pitcher who can really hang with them in terms of innings and dominance is Chris Sale. It's always been a little behind Scherzer, but he's been more or less there. And uh, I can't imagine who else you'd want to take as the second pitcher off the board. Heath? He has been great at delivering innings until last year. I mean, he only threw 158 and missed some time, made 27 starts, and he did see his velocity dip just a little bit. So we have a little bit of reason to concern, for concern at 1,482 innings over his career. And he may be losing a little bit of zip. Okay, yeah. The, the end of the season wasn't pretty for Chris Sale. The playoffs were not pretty for Chris Sale. Um, do you guys think, serious, uh, Heath and Scott, that 13th for Chris Sale is, is good? Yeah, in points league, I think it's good. It's I don't really want to take him there in roto. Uh, let's go to fourteen and Christian Yelich, Scott. Remember, I took him like ninth or something in a previous roto draft. Didn't feel very good about it. Fourteenth um, for Christian Yelich. So Christian Yelich has the kind of skill set where he's good at so many different things that he doesn't have to be as good as he was at everything last year to still uh, measure up with borderline first round numbers, I think. And the one where he's going to fall short is home runs. Fine. He's not going to hit 37 again. If he hits 30, 31, and he's stealing 20 bags and he's hitting 300, hard to say that's not a first round pick still. Yeah, he's definitely not going to hit 37 home runs. He had a 35% home run to fly ball rate last year. 
His career is 20%, and it should go up from what his career was because he's playing at Miller Park and not in Florida. But I think you probably see a bigger drop in his home runs than that. I think he's probably closer to the mid-20s, 26, 27, something like that. And he had, the batting average, 326, was partially helped by those home runs being home runs and not long fly ball outs. It was also helped by a 373 BABIP, and he is a high BABIP guy, but he's his career still 14 points below that, and he's had, just in 2017, he had 336 BABIP. So there's a chance you're getting a 280 hitter with 27 home runs, and that's not a second-round pick. 280, though? Doesn't that seem little, though? I don't mean to nitpick, but just because he's been so much better Look, you were talking to Heath's evil twin. Yeah, well, but that sounded like, that sounded like, a lot like normal Heath there. I'll say 285, but if you look at his last five years, 284, 300, 298, 282, 326. Yeah. So it's, he's probably going to be a little better than 280, but it, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. It's yeah, I, I would call it consider it the downside, but it's possible. So okay, I, he's so interesting. So I'll just I, I'm trying to go fast, but whatever. Um. Christian Yelich's road OPS his last three seasons with Miami. 803, 934, 852. So let's just take 852. It's not exactly in the middle. It's a little lower than the middle of those three. But let's take 852. If Christian Yelich is an 852 OPS guy, is he worthy of the 14th pick in the draft? No. I would say probably. Yeah, close, I'd say, right? I mean, that's not a huge bust. I mean, you're, it depends how much he runs, but he ran a lot last year. It's the most he's, well, it, it was the most bases he's stolen, uh, with very high success rate. And, uh, 22 he's steals. probably going to walk a lot. So I think it, whether you're looking at Roto with the steals, head to head with the walks, I think he's probably be worth it. All right, let's go to 15. Paul Goldschmidt. Scott, Paul Goldschmidt. So Paul Goldschmidt, is uh, still the best player at first base. And first base is probably the second weakest position in fantasy. Third, if you want to count catcher. Um, he's going to give you a near 300 batting average. He's going to get you 30 home runs. And uh, I I think it's... I, I love taking him early in the second round because it's... it's, it's uh, Position scarcity looks like it's going to be a thing this year, and, and that's that's a way to ensure you have a stud at one of the weakest positions. He did stop running last year for the most part, only seven stolen bases, and he is not going to a great hitter's park in St. Louis. I'm not sure. I haven't seen enough data yet to say if St. Louis is better or worse than Chase was last year. But I think there's a reasonable outcome where he hits 28 home runs and steals five bases, and you're not thrilled with this in the early second round. Would you guys rather have Yelich or Goldschmidt? I'd rather have Yelich. I'd rather have Yelich. All right, let's go to 16 after Paul Goldschmidt. Jacob DeGrom. Scott DeGrom, best pitcher in baseball last year. He wasn't the number one in fantasy because the win-loss record was ridiculous. But uh, make the case for DeGrom at 16. Yeah, so I think he joined that Scherzer sale tier pretty definitively last year. Um, to make the case he was the best pitcher in baseball, obviously. And the thing is, 170 ERA, okay, that's too good to be true. He's such a good ground ball pitcher. He had a 199 FIP, gave up so few home runs. Uh, control was great. Strikeouts were great. You know, even if you give him 
a full extra run, 270. If he's given you the innings he did a year ago, I don't think this pick is going to be a disappointment for you. He plays for the Mets. They're going to be all right, no? <laughs> They're the Mets. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, uh, go, do you want to give a different answer, Heath? I have no no qualms with Jacob Degrom. I, I seriously, the win loss record might not be great, and there may be a little bit of injury concern. But he was so awesome last year. I don't remember the specific numbers, but if you look at Corey Kluber, 2017, he had like a he had a swinging strike rate and a strikeout rate that was way higher than we'd ever seen. And then he came back down to earth and was still great, but not amazing. Well, well you know what happened to Corey Kluber's pitching coach from 2017? Right? Oh. He went and became Jacob DeGrom's manager. Hey, I like that. All right. I was just saying, you know, a guy has a career season. He could regress but still be great. Uh, that could happen to DeGrom, which would still make him probably worth the 16th pick. 17 is Freddie Freeman. Scott, the case for Freddie Freeman. So Freddie Freeman, again, he has the position scarcity thing going for him, like Goldschmidt. He is one of the safest sources of batting average in all of baseball, consistently among the highest in line drive rate, and that allows him to hit 300 year after year after year. Uh, he's, He's, over the last three years, the power has picked up. It was down a little last year, but... I still think he's a reasonable bet for 25 to 30 homers, gets on base a lot. So he, he, you know, I'll, I'll give him like a, like a 310, 25, uh, 95, 95 line. And when you factor in the position scarcity, that's pretty, pretty easy call in the middle of the first round, uh, second round. Uh, full disclosure, this is really difficult for me because I actually have Freddie Freeman ranked higher than Scott and in the first round. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's tough, but you know, two of the last three years, he's or two of the last four years, he's played 118 games or fewer. He's only topped 28 home runs once in his entire career. He doesn't, he never, hasn't got to 100 RBI since 2013. Only 100 runs once in his career. Like he's going to give you a 300 average and and be fine everywhere else. Home runs were so down last year, 23 homers, but his last three years, he had 34 home runs, then 28, but he was on pace for 37. If you do 155 games and then 23, um, just give me a yes or no. Do you think Freddie Freeman could be the number one hitter in fantasy? Yes. No. Justin Verlander is 18. Case for Verlander, Scott. He he is a he's a stud. I mean, he's been a Cy Young finalist now. I think three consecutive seasons, and uh, you know, in some years would have won it. Uh, he, he's right up there in terms of, uh, bat missing ability and pitching a ton of innings. He's right up there with Scherzer and Sale. The only reason we rank him a few spots behind is because he's 30, he's going to turn 36 in a few days, actually. Hey. So, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> no, no signs of him letting up in terms of stuff or, um, uh, durability. So I, I'm not that concerned about it. Father time is undefeated. Yeah. He's 36 years old. He's got 2,700 innings in the major league leagues on that arm. There's plenty of other starting pitchers in this range that are in the prime of their career. Don't take the old guy. Do you believe that? 
Um, I he would not be my next starting pitcher here, so I, I suppose I do. Who have we be? done Kluber yet? Is he is he ahead of Kluber? He is ahead of Kluber. That's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be mine either. So okay, so who are you guys taking after Scherzer, Sale, Degrom? Well, Kluber, and then Verlander. That's me, Heath. I'll take I'll take Snell ahead of him as well. Okay, uh, nineteen and twenty. Nineteen is Ronald Acuna. So we don't like him going with like a top five pick, but Scott nineteenth overall. Okay, so the argument for Acuna is: Did you see what he did the last two months of last season? If you project that out over a full season, he's basically putting up a Mike Trout, Mookie Betts type line. We'll give you some power. We'll give you some speed. If he hits the ball as hard as he was hitting it, probably give you some batting average too. This is your chance to get an early first round type bat late in the second round. Yes, his second half numbers, reading it here in the article from Chris, 301, if you translate his second half numbers out, 301 batting average, 46 homers, 109 RBIs, 131 runs, and 34 steals. Heath, yeah. crap on that. Full season statistics are generally more predictive than partial season <laughs> statistics. It's really difficult to believe that he's going to have a 350 BABIP with a 18% line drive rate. And he did strike out in a quarter of his plate appearances. And he's probably not going to be in a position where he's going to run quite as much as he did last year. Yeah, I think we all kind of agree with that. Um, what do you think, though, guys, real real talk uh, about Acuna at 19 overall? I think it's probably worth the risk at that point. There's The downside isn't low enough. I, I mean, I think the downside is something like Justin Upton. So late in the first, second round when you're factoring in the upside, that seems worth it to me, particularly in a roto league. And number it's 20, a cu- yeah, sorry, oh, it's sorry. a couple couple spots higher than I would like to go, but I'm fine with him at the end of the second. All right, and number twenty is Aaron Judge. Scott, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is probably the best pure power hitter in baseball at this point. And there were a lot of doubts in, about him going into last season. Oh, it was it was such an it was an outlier. The hard contact rate. Uh, all those fly balls he hit, the fact that he hit for such a high average despite the crazy strikeout rate. And then he was doing it again last year before suffering the injury. Was it a fractured elbow? Uh, wrist, I think. Fractured uh, wrist? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It might have been an elbow. I'll look it up for you. Um, He was doing it. He was doing it. All those concerns, I think, are off the table now. He is the safest bet for 40 home runs if he's on the field. Uh, yeah, wrist injury. Two, Go ahead. 294 games isn't quite enough for me to believe that he is going to be a 356 BABIP guy, and he is striking out more than 30% of his plate appearances, even last year. And I also have a hard time believing he's going to be a 31% home run to fly ball rate forever. So I, I think there's still a little bit of downside at this pick. That sounded legit, sincere. It was a little bit legit. Okay. Yeah, this is a good spot. I don't spot. even know anymore. This is a good spot. I mean, I've, I've, I've been I've living a lie for so long. I've got him at 25 overall, so 20 is fine. He hits the all fields uh, 28.6% oppo last year. He takes advantage of that stupid park. And before he uh, hurt his wrist, Judge had a 947 OPS. And he'll steal like 10 bases. So um, he's 20 on this list. All right, let's read some emails. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. I believe it's mostly... 
keeper questions that we did not get to in our last show. Matt from Milwaukee. Hey, Donkey Doug, Pillboy, Blake Bortles, and the Soul Squad. What? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So the question, 12-team head-to-head categories league. Uh, you can keep four players for free for one year. Sort through the pile. Uh, who do you want? Uh, the out of pick four. Okay, Blake Snell. I'm gonna we're gonna keep Blake Snell. So now pick three: <laughs> Eugenio Suarez, Herman Marquez, Zach Wheeler. Uh, Zach Wheeler. I don't know why I said that. He should change his name like Zach Britton did. It, David. It, it actually is CK for him. So he just. Oh, it is. <laughs> Typo yeah. from Matt in Milwaukee. David Dahl, Jose LeClerc, Adalberto Mondesi, Michael Brantley, Mitch Hanniger, and Wilson Ramos. Pick three. Okay, so Mondesi in this format's a must, right? Um, yeah, I'd go uh, Suarez and I think Marquez for the next two. Uh, it, it would be between Marquez and Dahl, but I, I think Dahl's just too uncertain. you got to go with Marquez, what he showed in the second half last year. Yeah, I would go with Dahl, and I think I'd go Marquez over Suarez. Really? Okay. So you're so you're drafting Dahl ahead of Suarez. Well, it's a keeper league, right? But just one year. That's how I understood it, right? Okay, it does look like for one year. Yeah, I think I've got Suarez higher. I, mean, I should probably check that. All right, but I mean, who's to say you can't keep them forever? I don't know. It does say for okay for one year for one year, yeah. Uh, yeah. Forever it'd be dull. For one year, it's worse. Paul in Phoenix, formerly Carlsbad. All right, Paul. Congrats on the move. Hey, Bobby, Bump, Red, and Pops. What the hell is happening today? I don't know. These people are nuts. Um, I'm fortunate to have a great head start in my Roto League. I have Hoskins in the 11th, Soto in the 12th, Bregman in the 13th, and Ray Amuto in the 17th. Nice. And Torres in the 21st. Mm. But they're all hitters, and I'm thinking of trading Torres for Blake Snell, who can be kept in the 14th. Do it! Now, so quick, you're giving quick. up a 21st-round Torres for a 14th-round Snell. Easy. I mean, quick, Snell's quick, already stud. I mean, he won a Cy Young last year. Torres, I like the upside, okay, but uh, you take what he actually did last year. It was pretty middling performance. You're still... Banking on a lot of upside there, and you, there, there's just no need. 14th is a huge. I, I'd rather take a smaller discount for the better player. Honestly, I think if it was Snell in round four, I'd still make this trade. Forget round 14. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I mean, you, your choices are a Cy Young winner or a guy who wasn't even as good a prospect as Greg Bird. So I think you have to go. <laughs> All right, from, Snell. from Jeff to Cashman, I guess. Ugh, you loser. What is the likelihood Matt Carpenter or Anthony Rizzo could once again gain second base eligibility? I think pretty good. I think for Carpenter, yeah. He made 11, peer- 11 appearances last year. So CBS rules, five in-season appearances, and not even like starts or anything, just like one second at a position, and you've, you've got an appearance, whatever the official score says. Um, oh. Five gets you eligibility in-season, 20 to carry it over to next season. That's why Carpenter doesn't start with second-base eligibility. But he made 11 appearances last year, so... I don't know. I got to think and that's he can't good. Play, he's not going to play first base anymore unless Goldschmidt gets hurt. Right. So that's not even an option for him. And Rizzo only made one appearance last year. He made 10 in 2017. Seems like that depends more on umpiring crews than anything else. Is it umpiring crews or is it like uh, the official score? And... It's one of those things. Yeah. Whatever it is. Okay. 
So, JJ Cabrera emails us. Dear Tommy, Arthur, John, and Finn. Yeah, this one I feel like we should be able to figure out. Finn. Who's a Finn? Finn was from, um, oh, this, uh, I actually think he tells us. Yeah, Peaky Blinders. Um, Peaky Blinders is, I only watched one episode and I loved it. I need to get back into that show. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I need some help with keepers. 14 team league, pick three. Jamison Tyone. Oh, it's points league, by the way. Round eight, Tyone. Jeanette, round 14. Jesus Aguilar, round 15. Tommy Pham, round 10. Nate Evaldi, round 17. Oh, this is easy. I think I go with the first three. Tyone, Jeanette. No, you liar. Aguilar. Really? Maybe Pham. Over Pham. I thought you were going to say Pham. It's a close call. I mean, Pham's not young. Aguilar's younger. Um, And obviously, Aguilar has the position scarcity thing going for him. At first base of all positions. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I think I'd go Pham, Tyone, and Scooter. Uh, This is from Matt. Hey, George, John, and Thomas. Those are presidents. (laughs) I thought they were Hanson. Uh, 12 team road, I'm just kidding. 12 team roto league, four guys I keep become my first four picks. So he's got six and he needs to keep four. Goldschmidt, Bellinger, Hoskins, Sanchez, Rayamuto, Gallo, Osuna. You are keeping. Uh huh. Well, you're definitely not keeping Joey Gallo. Right. And it well, and you're not I think keeping what it really two comes catchers. down to. Yeah. It well it comes down to whether it's a two catcher league. It's a twelve team roto league. Only like only we play in two catcher leagues. You realize that? Well, I, I understand, but I assume he's listening to our podcasts and our standard roto league is a two catcher league. Nobody plays in that. <laughs> Nobody I, plays in our standard roto league. I, I, <laughs> I think, think that's I think that would be no, proven They false. do, but they change the settings. <laughs> uh Goldschmidt if it's two catchers, I'm probably keeping you, Goldschmidt, Hoskins, Real Muto. You have Muto. to keep any of them. What? Well, he's saying the four guys he keep become his first four picks. Does that mean you get picks if you don't keep? You get picks earlier if you don't keep four? Well, if everybody else is keeping four players, I don't think that first-round pick is going to be worth more than That's one a, of these guys. It's a big if. I mean, uh, well, Goldschmidt who's, who's worth be, a top-four pick? Uh, for you know, first four rounds, Goldschmidt for sure. Right. So, who are the best four players? We're saying Goldschmidt, Hoskins, Sanchez, and Real Muto. Not in that order, but those are the best four. I think so. If you have to throw back Sanchez, because there's no reason to te- what Well, why would he have them both on his roster if it's not a two catcher league? It's obviously yep. a two catcher. Obviously, Adam. <laughs> it's not. I'm telling you, he hates it like me. All right, fine. Keep them both. I don't care. Or and if you don't want to keep them both, then keep Bellinger and throw back Sanchez. Or Keep nobody. Or keep nobody. Don't don't do that. That's a really bad plan. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll come back tomorrow with another episode. We're going to talk about how to measure pitcher stuff. It should be very fascinating stuff. Uh, for Heath and Scott, I'm Adam. See you Tuesday. <laughs>